Well, Pastor Joe, let you guys know the pastors, and honestly, you're stuck with me today. But um, I, I love what Pastor was talking about right now because I'm kind of going to use you a little bit as because it just kind of came to me, kind of one of the things that, that he was talking about. But uh, th- this, this idea kind of that started earlier this week, my, uh, my son Josh, um, he's a little bit like me. Um, he sent me this video, and he's, his comment was, he texted over to me, and then his comment was, what do you think about this? Um, and the video was somebody who was, uh, it, it was a Christian person, and, and they were advocating something. And um, the premise was, if you don't do this, then you really don't care about your family. If you don't, like, you know, follow through with what I'm telling you, you don't love your family or something like that. And, and so Josh sent it over to me because he just wanted to start an argument with me. And um, he knows it works because I, like, you know, picked up the phone and called him. Hey. Because um, he texts, I call. I just, I can't, I'm not good at it. My, I got big thumbs. And um, so if you ever get a text from me, it's probably misspelled because I'm hitting the wrong buttons and stuff. So I called him and, I'm, and I was like, what, what, what do you want? What's this about? And he says, well, what do you think, Dad? And, and I said, well, you know, I, I said, honestly, I don't necessarily disagree with this person. I disagree with the premise behind it, why this person is advocating this. And so we kind of got into this conversation on, and he sees things the same. We actually were on the same page on this one. Um, If you know me, I like politics. I'm probably way too involved in politics. I know that surprises some of you, but um, I'm very opinionated when it comes to, you know, political and, and ideology and, and positions and all this stuff, whatever, because I have all kinds of opinions on that. And, and so what I was telling him is I can have a conversation with people, and, and there's times when I even have conversations with people who are of the same political ideology as me and have the same opinions. But then my next step in that is, but why do you believe that? And they're like, well, I heard it on TV, and I, or I, you know, I heard some, and I'm like, and you blew it there, because I'm not interested in people who just regurgitate something that they heard or that they saw. I want it to be your conviction. If you're going to believe something, if you're going to do something, if you're going to, then it needs to be your conviction. It needs to come because this is what I believe, and I have the opportunity to believe everything else, but this is what I'm stuck on. This is where I'm at, and this is why, Right? And, and so that was kind of the conversation that we had. And, and you know, the last couple of weeks, Pastor's been, uh, been talking about, you know, the God who hears and the God who sees and really kind of laying out who God is in that because I think sometimes we miss that. And, and uh, you know, Sam and I on the way home, we, we're, you know, we're theological commentaries and uh, we, we sit there and we, like, process it on the way home and stuff. And, and it's been really good. I, I've really enjoyed it. And I think it's important because it's real easy sometimes for us to allow life, our experience, people around us, the, the current wind of, you know, ideology to define who God is for us and what God is to us. And so when we do, well, that's, that's what pastor said, or that's what so-and-so on TV said, or that's what, you know, I read an article or something, and that becomes our new position. And we kind of just sway and move around with whatever the popular fad of the week is, and they come and go, right? And there's not something foundational. There's nothing that we can really stand on. And so that's kind of what I was thinking this week, 
And, and you know, I, I think I've said this before, that my, my position, that this has become something I do with, with people that I work with and that I, I'm, you know, trying to work on, on developing some stuff with them. And I tell them, I don't care what you know. Because it, they always tell me, well, yeah, I, I know this and I know, and it's like, I don't care what you know, I care what you believe. Because belief drives behavior. Belief determines what I do and who I am. Because I can know a whole lot of stuff and it's never going to change my life. I can, you know, watch TV or, you know, listen to the radio or whatever, and I can know what somebody said, but does it mean anything to me, right? Does that change anything in my life? No. It's just knowledge. And so uh, in, in Matthew chapter 16, um, we see kind of a situation where Jesus had was dealing with his disciples in in, in um it starts in uh, verse 13. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But, and then Jesus turned it around on this. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Right, we've all heard this. We've all are familiar with this, uh, you know, this happening. And you know, it's interesting because Jesus first asked them, "Who do people say that I am?" Right, and 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 usually we focus on the fact that Peter responded correctly. Right, he gave the right answer. Um, but Jesus, I think, was trying to set up kind of this dichotomy there. Who do People say that I am. If you look at the context of this, just before this, two things had happened. Um, One, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who usually were not buddies, had come together and they were trying to like come to Jesus and show us a sign, prove to us, and Jesus refused to do it. He told them, you can't can't read the signs of the time, so why would I do anything for you? You're not going to get anything other than, you know, the sign of Jodah. And and, um, and then right after that, they go and they run into another situation that they had run into before where there was a lot of people and they didn't have food. And Jesus' response to the disciples like, kind of, didn't we just go through this? You guys are struggling with this again, and didn't we just deal with the same thing, and here you are again? And so I think Jesus is at this point, and he's kind of like trying to get them to find out, what do you know and what do you believe? And so who do people say that I am? Well, that was easy for the disciples, right? Because they're all throwing out answers. Well, you know, some people say that you're John the Baptist or that you're the, you know, a prophet or that you're one of the prophets come back or, or whatever it is that everybody around them, because everybody had opinions on Jesus, right? Everybody had an opinion of, of who he was. So it was easy for them to regurgitate that knowledge. I know what people say about you, Right? But the question when he said, but what do you say? Who do you say that I am? That was a different question. Because that moves from just simple knowledge to now, what do you believe? And it's a difficult question because it doesn't just ask you what you believe, but there's an accountability to that, right? Because when I answer, I have to be able to be, I'm going to be held accountable to what I said. Who do you say that I am? Well, when, when Peter answered him, you know, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God, right? 
there's accountability to that. In, you know, in, um, in Luke 6, uh, it says, uh, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I say? Right? When, when Jesus is standing before him and says, who do you say that I am? Well, I say you're the Lord. You're my, well, am I? You're calling me Lord, but everything about you says something different. Right? And that's where I think we struggle. I think that's really the, the, the going from knowing something. And, and, you know, we can come to church, and, and I've been in church my whole life. And, and trust me, I struggle with that. Just because we've heard, you know, I, I was trying to sit one day and think about how many sermons I had heard in my lifetime. Um, and I just stopped because I can't count um, that high probably. And yet, if you know me, you would be like, haven't you heard this? Don't you know this already? Right? This is the struggle that we have. You know, Paul, you know, later in the New Testament, he says, you know, the things I know I should do, I can't do. And the things that I know I shouldn't do, I find myself doing. This is the struggle that is the life that we have to walk out. And so what do we, what do, we do with that? Right? This is where it really becomes important to, for us to identify and know and be able to define who do you say that he is to you. Because if I can't do that, then I'm just going through the motions. I'm just going to be subject to whatever the wind is carrying today as far as the definition um, that the world says that Jesus is. And, and if you don't think that the world has um, got some ideas... Here's an article from The Atlantic from 1986. This is a while back, and, and I've been saving it for, I knew I was going to use it one day. I was holding on to this. But it says, this is the, you know who The Atlantic is? It's a, it's a publication. It's a journal, um, just like a newspaper, a magazine, whatever. Um, and it says, uh, the, there's obviously no consensus even today, even among Christians, as to what the real message of Jesus was and how it should apply to our lives, if it should apply at all. Despite the creedal affirmations of mainstream Christian churches, there is also no consensus, not if one looks at the, what real people actually believe, as to the identity of Jesus. Was he, as traditional Christian dogmatics hold, both God and man, the Word made flesh, a human being who was co-substantial with the Father? Did he partake of the divine in some more diluted and as some 20th century churchgoers have doubtless concluded, inherently more plausible manner? Was he simply another of those charismatics who appear from time to time to destroy some complacency, do some good, and bequeath to the human race the symbol of an exemplary life? This is what they are saying about Jesus today. Because that hasn't changed. If anything, has gotten worse. Right? They're saying that even looking at the church, there is no consensus on who Jesus was, right? Because they went on, actually, in the whole article, if you go find that article and you look it up, um, they actually went on to claim that Jesus died not knowing himself who he was, not having been able to have that question answered, right? This is who they say that he is, and if we are not careful, 
If we cannot intentionally identify and define who he is to us, this is what we'll fall to. Just like the disciples, when they answered, they said, well, people say that you're a prophet or people say that you're, you're, they responded according to what they were saying. And Jesus wanted to turn around because when Peter answered them, him and, and, and told them, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God, right? You see, Jesus was happy, right? He, he responded to him, you know, yeah, thank you. You know, he said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven, right? You see from Jesus this, like, you know, later on, a few minutes later, he had to rebuke Peter again, but nonetheless. Um, again, I identify with Peter a lot. I, I do a lot of reading behind that because I just like, yeah, that's me. Like, you know, one moment Jesus is glad with me, and the next minute he's hitting me upside the head with a two-by-four. Um, you know, this message is not because I'm up here because let me tell you how to do it. It's like this is what I have to look at every day, and I have to remind myself, and I have to work through because if not, I can easily be moved and, 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 and I can, the lens that I see things through can be based on what's happening in the world around me or the people around me, right? But Jesus tells them, you know, on this rock, I will build my church. Now, there's been some people who extrapolate from that and create some other thing. This, that's why one church is better than the other and all this stuff, whatever. It's not. He's talking about that foundation, on this understanding, on this definition, on this intimacy with me that you know who I am, I will build my church. And that power that comes, because he says, what you bind on earth, I'll, you'll bind, you know, I'll bind in heaven, comes from that. When we wonder why we struggle in our Christian walk, in our life, and the things that happen around us, it's because we can't define who he is. Because if we could define him, if we could say, you're the Lord, you're the, you're the all-powerful. You're the one. The reason that I'm here today is because of you. Things began to change. You know, pastors talking about, um, you know, how he followed what God put on his heart and walked away from a successful business to go into ministry, which, I'll be honest, I, I would have a hard time, you know? And, and I'm not saying that everybody has to do that, but I'm saying... When we do that, and, and I, think, I, I, I think that's why I love listening to Joe you know, talk, because that's the like, epitome of faith, right? Our faith should be that if God told me we do it, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. There's no way that it can work sometimes. But God, he shows up, and things happen. And I think the most powerful thing that you can look at, you know, you were talking about traveling and stuff. Most people think of travel as entertainment, right? They think of like, oh, I get to go all these places, whatever. But what if you traveled and you got to go around the world and had an impact on the world the way Pastor Joe has had, right? That's more valuable than all the money in the world. There is, there is something that happens when we can define who he is and we can answer that question. Who do you say that I am? And we're ready with that answer and we know 
Because here's the thing. Life will ask you that question every day sometimes. Who do you say that he is? Is he just a feel-good, you know, wrote a few good books, did a few good things? I I remember um, years ago I wrote an op-ed again because I'm opinionated, and I sent it into the paper and expected them to print it, and they did. They printed it. Um, and so a couple of days later, I get a letter from somebody. Back, this is how old this is because people sent letters. There was no email or nothing. So someone sent me a letter, and they were telling me just that. They were telling me, well, you know, that was a good you know, thing that you wrote in there, but, you know, I think Jesus was just a nice guy, and, you know, it's, it's, he's got some good ethics that we can follow and a good example, and, but that's about it. My question is, does, does the answer that I give about who I believe that he is send the message to the world that he is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, that he is the one that died for our sin, was raised on the third day, and is now standing at the side of the Father? Does that send that message? Because if it isn't, this is why the author of that article in The Atlantic wrote that, because this is what he sees. He sees a church sometimes who mm, sounds great and it's good, but I don't necessarily can't stand on it. And, and, and like I said, most of this is for me, guys, because I find myself on a daily basis sometimes wondering, well, you know, I, I, the hardest one on me is my wife. <laughs> Because if anybody knows me, she knows me. Um, it's funny because sometimes we'll be sitting there and, and I'll be sitting at the table and I'm going through something in my mind and she's like, who are you arguing with? And I'm like, I'm not arguing with anybody. And she's like, I know you, I see it. Like the wheels are spinning, what's happening, what's going on, right? Because there's an intimacy there. She knows me really well. And sometimes she'll point that out. And it's hard for me to hear because she's right. She's right, you know, and, and I, I think that when we talk about that intimacy with Jesus, the reason that, that Peter was able to answer them, the reason that, that Jesus answered him and said, you know, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, right? It wasn't knowledge that revealed this to you. It was the intimacy. You are getting it, right? And I think that's what he wants from us. In order for us to fully be able to define who he is, we have to have that intimacy, We have to have that vulnerability. We have to have that ability to just say, I can close my eyes and know that you're there and and submit to that. Because without that, we're just going to rely on knowledge. And our answer will often be what they say about him. And that, you know, that can be a scary thing. Because if we allow that to happen, then how can we even count on our salvation? If, if it's what this article says about him, right? If that's ultimately what I believe about him, if that's how I define him and that's who I say that he is, then let's close up shop because there's no point to it. And so I, you know, I, I was, you ever read C.S. Lewis? He's, I, like, I like some of the stuff that he, I like old stuff. 
which is really interesting, but nonetheless, anyways. Um, he wrote in, in Mere Christianity, he said, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is one thing we must not say. A man who has merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says that he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Right? I was like, how can you summarize that whole concept? And C.S. Lewis did. Much better than I could ever do it. I just want to encourage you this morning, don't allow yourself to be at a point where you're letting them define Jesus for you. And by them, I mean everything outside of you. Let your definition of who Jesus is, who God is, come from the intimate relationship that you have with him by seeking him, by spending time with him, by submitting and walking out that life in faith. Because when we do that, I'll tell you what, when someone asks that question, when life asks that question of you, you'll have the answer. And you won't even have to, you know, stumble with it or wonder. Let me think about it. Let me spend some time. Let me, let me get back to you on that. No, here it is. This is who he is. I think if, if, as a church, if we could do that, the job of taking the gospel to the world gets a lot easier. And ultimately, that's really what we're here to do. We're not here to be perfect. We're not here to be all, you know, all that wonderful stuff. The Sadducees and the, and the Pharisees, um, that's what they did, right? It was all piety. It was all, let me, let me act. And sometimes they even did some good things. Not everything they did was bad, but they did it for the wrong reasons because they didn't know who he was. They couldn't define it. And ultimately, that's what made what they did, for lack of a word, wrong. That's why it was wrong. We can do the right things for the wrong reasons, for the wrong, you know, and it's still wrong. Because ultimately, that's not what he, like, like C.S. Lewis said, that's not what he intended. He didn't intend for us just to get it right every now and then. He intended us to live a life that was set aside, that was holy. So let's pray this morning.